Welcome to Identity Church Sunday Morning Message, where sonship is revealed. Stay tuned at the end of this message to receive more information about resources available through Identity Church. Now grab your Bible, sit back, and enjoy a message from Identity Church that is already in progress. I am more convinced this morning than I was yesterday that we are in the season of, of transformation and shifting. I believe the prophecy I gave this couple um, is a, a shifting, something they can go to war about. They can, they can get the enemy out of their way and get God in. I believe that's for all of us. Uh, this week, Susie and I, we, we we had somebody in our house, and the previous week, he, he made a, a kind of a stroking statement. I need to get you to pray for me sometime. I'm like, whatever. But this week he came. And he said, I need you to pray for me. He put a demand on me and the gift that I carry in God. And I put my hand, as soon as I put my hand on him, I went into a vision. I, two and a half hours later, he's still laying on my tile floor in my kitchen. And I know that his life, it, it, it's a shift. And he's been serving God for years. But we get stuck. And, 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 and you just, you need, you need God to walk through the wall or something. And, and, and I believe that, that that is all of us right now. We're in that. And, and I, I'm just going to, sometimes the, sh- the <laughs> sometimes we won't shift into our new destiny because we're too afraid to turn loose of what we have. Mark chapter 11. I'm going to read Mark chapter 11, 1 through 26, and I'm going to, I'm going to tell you, some things. I was up early this morning um, just studying some things. But what you're going to find is in this week, the seven days before crucifixion and resurrection, here's some things that happened. He had three suppers, two anointings. He cleansed the temple twice in the same week. He cursed a fig tree, and he sat on top of rebellion. And so today's message is called Kingdom Sightings in the middle of chaos. I I believe that we as religious Christians sometimes, we look at chaos and we shrink back from it instead of finding the kingdom in it. So when you're just a mamby-pamby Christian who the only validation you have is everything's at peace, you will be afraid of chaos. But a mature Christian will look at chaos and go, hey, I I, I got scripture one day that God spoke over chaos and it came into alignment. God speaks over chaos and it comes into alignment. That's a good word right there. Verse 1. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem, to Bethpage, the word Bethpage means house of figs, and Bethany house of dates. At the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples. Let me tell you, some of us don't get sent because we're not close enough to anybody to be sent with them. Even the Lone Ranger had Tonto. The guy whose name, the Lone Ranger, had Tonto. 
And some of you aren't close enough to somebody to know your, 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 your inner workings, your weaknesses, because you don't want them to see it, and you hide, and you wonder why God doesn't send you anywhere, because he likes to send you out two by two. Boy, a little amen besides her would be helpful because some of you are not relational enough to carry the glory. And two, and he said to them, go to the village in front of you and immediately as you enter, you will find a colt tied in which no one has ever sat. Has anybody ever tried to, re- to ride a horse that's never been broken? Let me tell you, you wind up on your keister. But Jesus sat on this untamed colt, and it didn't buck. See, we want people to get saved so we can fill our rosters or our pews. We don't want to get them saved that will transform them to rebellion will no longer rebel when glory sits on it. We need to get people with enough glory that the rebellion is gone. It's amazing that an untamed colt submits to the Lord. Untie it, verse 3, and bring it. If anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord has need of it, and I'll send it back here immediately. There's a lot of people who get saved because they felt the glory, but then they didn't keep the glory on their back. And God, when, when, when that happens... We feel like we have disappointed God or his anointing isn't on us. We don't feel the goosebump. And let me tell you, it's an invitation to go back to your old lifestyle if you want. But the invitation is you really don't want to go back, but you want the, you want the goosebumps. You want the anointing. You want the favor. Then he's going to say, well, maybe you need to quit doing this. Well, I, I, I was doing that and had your glory. Okay, but that was then, but this is now. Why? Because I want to shape you and mold you into my image. And, and if you want my favor, you want my anointing, you want my, 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 my blessings, then maybe this behavior, it might not be a sin, but it's a wish from me. I'll never forget my mom, sweet mommy. I was given this fresh revelation of how I thought God was going to kill a few people. And she just looked at me. She goes, I don't know about your Jesus. My Jesus don't act that way. And it's like she stuck me in my heart. I'm like, there ain't two Jesuses, is there? Well, evidently, I don't know her Jesus. That was good. Verse 4. They went away and found a colt tied at the door outside the street, and they untied it. And some of those standing there said to them, what are you doing untying the colt? And they told him what Jesus had said, and they let them go. Let me tell you, some of us are so afraid to tell somebody what Jesus said because we've concocted in our mind that they're not going to let us have what we want. Your fear of man's rejection or confrontation will keep you from doing what God told you to do. That has to stop. I mean, Jay and Nessie went to the cigar shop to bless me with some new cigars. How do they know that's where I went? Because I told them. So they walk in there going, y'all know Pastor Charlie? I can just imagine what y'all did. (laughs) So, but here's the report. They love me. 
I, they just signed me up on a Facebook Florida Cigar Club. I got, an, I got a private message last night that they've nicknamed me Pastor. In a cigar club. And they actually pointed them to the ones I like. It's time to be a witness every place we go. And don't let religion keep you from where God's trying to send you. Now, here's the reason why you go two by two. If, if, if I'm going into a place that has the residue of my history, it won't hook me if Anthony's with me because he will remind me, stop that. Don't let this hook you. This is why you go two by two. You don't go by yourself. You know, it'd be like, my, Susie, I'm going to start a new business. I'm going to have a topless bar. That's not going to work. That's my history. First, that would be a stupid. Second, she carries a gun now. <laughs> you know, you, know you, just, you don't put yourself in that position. But I'm telling you, I believe God wants you to have a companion that knows your strengths and your weaknesses because you need someone to guard that when God's trying to take ground. God's trying to take a, a, a gangbanger out. You know what? You're going to have to get close. You're going to have to confront. I mean, this one guy, and it's funny, when did you guys go there? Okay, last weekend. I got a text from one of the guys at the cigar bar, and I showed it to him. He texted me. He goes, hey, are you coming around? I said, no, I'm doing this and that. And he goes, I need some, I need some pastor time. Okay, and then and he texts me. He says, he says, last night I got on my knees and I prayed. And I had tears. He's like, I need, I need some pastor time. You know when God is sending you into a cultural environment that the religious would say you shouldn't be. Brian Higby started this with me. Brian Higby taught me how to smoke cigars. I was in Pennsylvania. We went to the cigar shop. He got me. I had never smoked. So I turned green, dude. He, I was like, bah, bah, bah. I'm like, are you, you telling me God sent you to a cigar shop? He goes, yep. God told me I'm too religious. I need to get where the people are. And I watched him pastor a cigar shop. So you do as your friends do. And I'm like, but I prayed. I didn't just go. I prayed about it. And, I, and so I show up at this cigar shop, and it was a ESPN, and there was a bunch of guys sitting around the table smoking cigars, and I'm sitting there, and ESPN had this thing. It was a, I think the Kentucky Derby was on or whatever, and this big statement comes up, and he said, a hundred years ago, all everybody had horses, and only the rich people had cars. Now, everybody has cars, and only rich people have horses. And so I made a statement. I'm like, that's a true statement. And they all look at me. I'm like, man. And I start telling a story. I said, 25 years ago, me and five of my friends went into a bar, and we were drinking with some old rich guy who was a Merrill Lynch executive, and we got into the horse business, and we put $50,000 a piece, and he owned the other half, and we had this horse named Miss Easy who won $1.2 million, and another horse named Hesitant Gay. And I realized this sounds like a stupid bar story. 
right? New guy who's a preacher. The guy on the end is on his computer. It's actually the same guy. He's a horse guy. He goes, hey, I want to correct you on something. What? He goes, it wasn't 25 years ago. It was 29 years ago. And she didn't win 1.2 million. She won 1.6. And Hazleton K was a, a, a Philly from the Hanover sire. And he starts looking up everything we had done. I sat there and went, holy moly. I went from some crazy guy, and I just got validated. And I realized God was putting me in that culture. God was allowing me to go to that culture. So how are we going to change the world if we can't go into those cultures and not let that culture change us? Does that make, is this making sense? Two by two. Verse seven. And they brought the cult to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it. See, you got to realize that's just a simple statement to us. But it was customary in parades of conquering and great princes honored by the people that they do that. Jesus, Je- Jesus is not a conquering king, except everybody thought he was. He was here to conquer and to take all of our sorrows away and get us this great place of authority. So that's why they put their cloaks on it. And many spread their cloaks on the road and others spread leafy branches that they had cut in the field. This is Palm Sunday. Why? They're putting palms. Why? They're, 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 they're putting a blanket on the road. Why? Because he's a conquering king. He hadn't died yet. They didn't know what they were having a parade over. And those who went before and those who followed shouted, Hosanna. They're actually quoting uh, Psalms 118, 25, and 26. Save us, we pray, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Verse 10, blessed is the coming king of our father David, Hosanna in the highest. And he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. Now, um, this is the temple courts. It's the Greek word H-I-E-R-O-N, not the Greek word N-A-O-S. In other words, not the sanctuary. So he went into the outer courts. Do you understand you're a three-part being? Most of your problems is going to be on your outer courts. And when you have a weakness in your outer courts, you bring someone with you. Otherwise, Jesus is going to show up and he's going to kick your outer court out. He's going to kick some things out of your outer court. It's called deliverance. You might be saved. Your inner court is saved. But listen, some of you need some deliverance. I've been around you. (laughs) And when he looked around at everything, as it was already late, he went out of Bethany into the 12. Now, I'm going to break all this down later. Verse 12. On the following day, when they came to Bethany, do you see all this, this day, this day? And came to Bethany, he was hungry. Verse 13, and seeing the distance, a fig tree and leaf, he went to it and could not find anything on it. And when he came to it, he found no, nothing but leaves, and he was not the season for figs. He cursed it. And he said, may no one ever eat fruit of this again. And his disciples heard it. If you go to Luke 13, 6 and 9, it, 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 it's, it's a process that when, when a 
tree or a plant would not produce, they would, listen, cut it down. And, and in that parable, he said, wait a minute. Let me dig a trench around it and dung it. Put some doo-doo in it. How many feel like you got some doo-doo in your life? Why don't you dung it? Why don't you dig around the tree of life in your heart and make a ditch and put it in there and turn it into fertilizer and see if God can use that to produce a harvest? So what the devil's beating you up with, your dung, if you com commit yourself to the Lord, he'll turn it into fertilizer. But I think there was a bigger reason why he cursed that fig tree. Because he was, what, just days from the cross to finishing his assignment, right? What was his assignment? To come back into right relationship with God and man. He was, his assignment was to fix what was broken in the garden. Is that not what his assignment was? Well, here's what they did in the garden. We're afraid of you, God. We're hiding because we, we know we're sinful. And they made fig leaves to cover themselves. I believe Jesus was saying, hey, the old fig leaves, I curse it. Why? Because you're not going to need it anymore because I'm going to be your covering. Amen. Why else would he curse the fig tree? Because we don't need those leaves anymore. Because his precious blood is going to cover us. His anointing is going to cover us. And we don't need the fig tree. I don't believe he was just being a, a, an angry rabbi because he wanted some figs. I believe he was sending a message. We don't need fig leaves no more. I am your fig leaf. I am your covering. <laughs> Verse 15, and they came to Jerusalem, and he entered the temple and began to drive out those who sold and those who bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables and money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. 16, and he would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You could take every one of these and bring it in here. When the heart, I don't care what's going on, he looks at the heart. The inner temple. Now, some of our inner temple conversations will actually bring life into the other courts, the inner courts and the outer courts, and the Holy of Holies. That's our job. Are you catching this? 17, and he was teaching them and saying to them, it is, is it not written, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations? Nations. Ethnos, not just Greeks, not Africans, ethnic groups. An ethnic group, not white and black or brown and white or culture. Do, do you realize those guys at the, I realize the guys at the cigar bar, they're ethnos. They talk about Connecticut rappers and Cuban tobacco and this is the seat of the Honduras. I'm like, uh, I just want to know, does it smoke good? I don't, I'm learning the culture. Ethnos is a common language. Let me tell you something. Teenagers, they're an ethnos. New Yorkers, you're, you're an ethnos. You have a language. You, you can go, uh-huh. You can, you can grunt and get someone's attention and they know what you're talking about. Rednecks, we're, we're an ethnos. Right? 
God bless you. But he says all nations, all cultures. Listen, this is where we, we need. We need. You know, a few weeks ago, God said, start a Spanish church. I think he's funny. There's not a Spanish bone in my body. But you can't say you're not, if you're not going to embrace that, then you have little voice in this community when it's 60, 65% Hispanic. So you just want to stick in your little redneck corner, have a few black people and say we're multicultural. I said it. Y'all thought it. <laughs> ah, verse 18, the chief priests and scribes heard it, were seeking a way to destroy him, and they feared him because of the crowd was astonished at his teaching. Verse 19, and when evening came, he went out of the city. You see, he's coming in and out. This is the week of hell. As they passed in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered away at the root. And Peter, Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed has withered. Jesus answered, have faith in God. Do you realize if we actually had more faith in God, we'd quit cursing people? Because when you come to a place of maturity, and I've, I've told this story many times, when God called me a prophet, I'm like, well, if I'm going to be one, I'm going to be a good one. And the best one I could find was Samuel. It says God did not let one of his words fall to the ground unfulfilled. That's all that in a bag of chips right there. And I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not the smartest guy in the world. I said, well, I want that. I heard the Lord said, are you sure? Yeah. And he goes, you know what it's going to take for me to heal your emotions to where you just don't spew? He says, in your condition, if I gave you that kind of power, some guy would road rage you and, and the car would burn up. Because I would say something. You... What kind of power do you think God wants to give us? He wants not one of our words to fall to the ground, but I'm telling you, if we don't start speaking blessings instead of curses, he can't trust us. He can't trust us. The blessing is greater than the curse. Do you believe that? Then why do we curse people so much? You know them Democrats. Oh, yeah. You act like God's happy with that? He probably ain't happy about them talking about Republicans either. So what does he do? He screws up the whole political system, says, how do you like that chaos? And we're at all ends of the spectrum, and only a few are actually finding God in it. I had someone ask me a, yesterday a question. What do you think of this political situation? I was like, it sucks. That's all you got? I'm like, yep. That's all I got. It's a mess. I don't have any answers. Don't even care. What? I'm, I don't care. I went down to, I'm trying to love my neighbor, and they had a Biden sign out. That's wrong if I can't love my neighbor because they had a Biden sign out. Get over it. That's not one-sided. It's all-sided. 
Verse 23. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be thou taken, taken up and thrown into the sea, does not doubt in his heart, but believes what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Hmm. He's saying mountain moving faith, mountain moving power. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Listen. Some of us won't even speak to the mountain because we don't think we're qualified. But I believe God has put mountains in your life to qualify you. <laughs> quit, quit blaming the devil when God set you up. God set you up to talk to that mountain. God set you out to kill that Goliath, that giant. Why? Because once David killed the giant, the rest was history. Why? Because the public manifestation of the anointing on his life, then he had to manage it. He had to manage the religious system. Saul tried to kill him. Others tried to kill him. But he still had a core belief system that he wouldn't touch God's anointing, even though that anointing was trying to kill him. Why? Because he didn't want to take a throne under his own power. He waited till God to put him there. Amen. And when God puts you there, nobody can take you out. And when you stand praying, verse 25, forgive. If you have anything against anyone, I'm going to tell you, if you have anything against anyone so that your Father also is in heaven may forgive you of your trespasses, the first person you probably need to forgive is you. And then your spouse. Because we know each other. I know my weaknesses. And I run into God who tells me I'm all this and bag of chips. And I'm like, well, do you really know me? Do you know how big of a knuckle? I, I can find Stupidville without a map or GPS. And you're telling me I'm going to go to the nations? I can't even get out of, the, out, of the, out of the neighborhood. But he has a different plan for me. He has a different plan for you. And the first person you need to forgive is yourself and some of your history. And then you start on the ones that have wounded you, betrayed you. Listen, do you think Jesus forgave Judas? And you can't forgive yourself? Verse 26, but if you do not forgive, neither will your Father, which is in heaven, forgive your trespasses. Now, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to preach. We'll be here all night, all day. This is the week. Crucifixion and resurrection. One week from today would be the resurrection. Here, here's what happened in that week. When you start reading, um, if you want to read it, you can go to John chapter 2, verse 15. You'll find that's the first time that he cleansed the temple. In the beginning of his ministry, he turned the water into wine. His mama, Jewish mama, said, get your tail over here and fix this. He told his mama, this is not my time. Mama went to God, the father, and he said, hey, me and you had a deal about this punk? He needs to start. Mamas make deals over what they birthed. L 
Mamas make deals with God over what they birth. Some of you haven't realized that you should have birthed something so you could have God's authority in it. I told Diana Angel this morning, we were talking about mothers and birthing. I think that the prayer team was in there talking about it. And, and I, I, she was, I said, listen, here, here's how it works. My mother bombarded heaven over my salvation. The story goes like this. There's a lady uh, doing her laundry, and she, she knew our family. And the devil visited her. She was praying for her son who was desperate in drugs and desperately needed to get saved. And she was praying, and the devil came to her and said, who do you think you are that God is going to let your son get saved? And he said, Annalie Coker can't get Charlie saved. Who do you think you are? So the devil used my mom and who she was as a Christian and the fact that I wasn't saved and it, to tell her, there's no hope for you, lady. Ten days later, I got radically saved. Less than one month, he got saved. Be careful when you irritate a mama. Because they'll go to God that helped them birth the things of the Spirit and put a demand on God. Mama bear, you know, you don't mess with a mama bear. Don't mess with a mama bear. You got me? Okay. So the first time he cleansed the temple was the beginning of his ministry. <clears throat> He cleansed it in the same week, Matthew 21, 1 through 16. You'll find that he cleansed it again. He did it twice in the same week. Luke 19, 1 through 20 is a story about Zacchaeus. Anybody heard about Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus was a wee little man. Had to get up in a tree to see what he could see. See, the title of this message is Kingdom Sightings in Chaos. This is the week of chaos for Jesus. In the week of chaos, he found Zacchaeus in a tree. And he says, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house. See, when, the glory, when, when glory comes in and says, hey, let me tell you who you are. Do you realize Zacchaeus, my wife's back there telling jokes. Zacchaeus, I know, I, I could hear it. <laughs> Or nursery rhyme. Go ahead and sing it. For tea. Oh. Okay. <laughs> okay, what am I saying here? What am I saying here? How many believe there's a there's a major harvest coming? I actually think we're in it. Okay. This this is where you're going to find the kingdom sightings. Listen, if you if, if if you would have told me when God told me to start smoking cigars, that that they would go there and find a report that I am who I am, and they love they know I love God and I have influence in them. Religious people would say you're full of chaos. This isn't holy. This isn't God, and they would disqualify me. Which I really don't care. I don't know if you knew that. Sometimes you just don't need to care. Religious will, religion will always find something to bitch at. I know. But, but this is the kind of chaos that you're going to find the kingdom in. The cigar bar. Different cultures. 
So in the midst of finishing his assignment to reintroduce man to God and recover what was lost, he goes to a criminal. The whole religious system were appalled that in this very holy week, he had dinner with a tax collector, a wee little man who was rich. And the wee little man got into the presence of the glory of God, Jesus himself, and said to him, I'm going to give half of what I got back to the poor. All of a sudden, the corruption was gone. Why? Because he met Christ. But the religious were accusing Jesus. What is he doing in a sinner's house? Let me tell you something. I think God is more happy about me going to a sinner's house than some churches. Did you hear the message we got last week from a man who's preached in prison for 31 years? Was that off the chain? Was it revelatory for what we need as a house? It's the same message. (laughs) So that, that week... He goes and he deals with Zacchaeus. He has, um, here's the thing. I'm going to break this down. After spending Thursday night in the home of Zacchaeus, now you got to realize in the Jewish night, in other words, tonight at sundown, it's actually Monday. Today's Sunday, but at sundown, it turns into Monday. So it's weird how you got to do the math on this. But Friday night before the crucifixion, after spending Thursday night in the home of Zacchaeus, on Luke 19, uh, he makes his first entrance into the city in Matthew 21, 1 through 16. He returns to Bethany where he passes, passes the Sabbath, where he eats the first of three suppers, and there were two different anointings. Matthew 21, 17, John 12, 1 through 11. On Sunday, he makes his second triumphant enter, entry into the city and returns. Mark 11, which I, I read, Matthew, uh, Luke 19, 29 through 44, and John 12. On Monday, he returns to Jerusalem, cleanses the temple, teaches and curses the fig tree, and goes out of the city. Um, those are, I can give you Matthew 21, Luke 19, 45 and 48, and John 12. On Tuesday, he goes back to Jerusalem, teaches and gives the prophecy, and gives the prophecy for Matthew 24 and 25. He did all this in in the last week of his life. He returns to Bethany to have a second supper and a second anointing. Do you realize... The religious people were so mad because he went to Lazarus' house where Mary and Martha were. Now, everybody hated Lazarus because Jesus raised him from the dead. But in that setting, Mary Magdalene shows up and anoints him with expensive oil. And doesn't he know that she's a sinner? Jesus would rather be anointed by a sinner than a religious saint. I haven't figured it out. God is so proud of me. You know why? Because I can make religious people mad easy. (laughs) 
If you've got a religious bone in your body, I'll find it. And we're going to poke it. We're going to figure out that there's no life in it. There's no grace in it. And you're just an irritant. And you yourself are not free. But, I mean, I see what Jesus did, man. He said, here, let me, let me, let me hang out with a tax collector. That's going to irritate some of the people. Let me hang out with a hooker who got saved. And let me expose a thief who gets mad at the hooker. <laughs> Didn't he? He got mad. Doesn't he know that we can have all this money, we can save all this money, we can feed some poor people. He said, shut up, you thief. You just want the money. She wants to honor me. You'll always have the poor with you. You need to take care of them. But let me tell you something. I'm getting honored because she actually has a perception. I'm actually going to my death. You don't even have that perception because you're part of the killing party. When you're part of the killing party, you won't see the perception of the hooker. I preached a, a, a conference here, actually, in DeLand. And uh, it, it was 99.9 um, .9 other than me and Susie Black. Do you, do you remember that, Susie? Hmm? Were you there? When I, you weren't there when we preached. I preached the first night. Nobody gave me any rules, so I just preached. I did not know that the rules were this. You preach for 20 minutes. The guy behind you preaches for 20 minutes. Then you turn it over. No one gave me the rules. So a guy preached for 20 minutes. He walks past me. I hear in the spirit, let's see what the white boy has. That irritated me. <clears throat> and so my first thing was, what does the white boy have? And I sat there arguing with God because I could not find the anointing. Jesus was not in the room. And this guy huffed and piffed, puffed and shucked and jived and spit and whew, had sweat, but God wasn't in the room. And I made a deal with God a long time ago. I would never preach without anointing. And so I'm sitting here, I'm like, Jesus, what am I going to do? He wants to know what the white boy has, and you ain't in the room. I have nothing without you. I'm up there arguing with God. They think I'm, you know, praying. I was. I was praying for my life. <laughs> and I said, Jesus, I'm leaving. I'm going to turn around, I'm going to grab my bag, and I'm leaving. I will not. Try to preach without your anointing. And I, I literally started to turn around, and he goes, stop. What are you waiting for? I said, I'm waiting for you, Jesus. And he said, start singing. I said, oh, that's real funny. Me sing. And I just started singing. Jesus. 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 Oh, there's something about that name. The atmosphere changed. Guy got on that Hammond organ and started playing. I mean, God showed, we had church. So I told the guy, see what the white boy has? And I told him, I said, I wasn't going to preach without his anointing. I said, you can shout and yell and quote scripture and 
God never show up. I prophesied over this young girl. God values you. He honors you. I'm like, oh, God. Susie, come here. And I took a bracelet off of her and put it on the girl. People are like, oh, he didn't ask her permission. She knows where that jewelry comes from. Just loving on people. The next night, getting to the point, we're in the green room, and this girl's going to sh- preach first, this lady. And she's kind of fidgety. And she got 14 Bibles and six stacks of this. And she says to me, she says, to, what are you going to preach? And I was like, I don't know. I got, I got a lot of stuff. I have my briefcase. I said, I probably got a thousand sermons there. I said, God hadn't told me which one yet. I said, you know, sometimes you just got to stand up and say what God says. She goes, oh, you got a thousand sermons. Intimidator. I'm like, whoa, come here. I said, you don't need a sermon. I said, God's done stuff in your life that nobody else has. You don't need a sermon. I said, you just need to take all your paperwork and get rid of it. She got up to preach, and she had lost her paperwork. What was the title of her sermon? The Faith of a Sinful Woman. And she told the story of pulling prostitution in faith, knowing it was wrong, but she knew God was with her. Time after time, she knew that that her day of deliverance was going to come. The faith of a sinful woman. I, I still will never forget her message. But Jesus set the stage for that. When he let this ex-hooker anoint him with the most precious oil that she could ever have owned. They say a year's wages. I really think that if the church would honor Christ the way the hooker does, his glory would come. The ministry of reconciliation would be instant. Rebellion would submit to what truth is. Quit trying to be perfect. The perfect one lives in you. The perfection will come in stages. If you're caught into something, have faith. The faith of a drug addict. I don't know. How many times, if, if you ever get around Susie, we've been around people that just struggle with crack and that, and they come to the altar every week. Susie loves them because they come to the altar every week. It's the one who thinks they got it and is a horse's butt she can't stand. If you think you got it, you ain't got it. And it's time to look at people in chaos and hear Holy Spirit go, there's a kingdom sighting. There's this, there's that. There's a kingdom sighting. We, as the body of Christ, needs to quit running from chaos and run to chaos and calm the storm. Find that glimpse, that glitter of kingdom in somebody. Find it. 
and speak to it. Water it and let it grow. And they may be in their lifestyle that you think is unpleasing. And God's going, that's my girl. That's my boy. They're, 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 they're hooking in faith. Knowing that one day I'm going to deliver them. Because I'm a good God. That's how we're going to change the world. One cigar at a time. Let's look for chaos. Because if you walk in with the Prince of Peace, you'll automatically be the instructor. (laughs) If everybody's in chaos and you're not, they're going to go, where are you getting at? Well, I've been here before. I used to have that chaos, but now I got peace. Let me explain to you why. You know, the problem is, this is too simple for some of us to do. People are wanting to find Christ. They don't know how to get there because we're so religious. I never forget, I picked up a hitchhiker at 5 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> he gets in the thing, and I said, uh, I said, you got your seatbelt on? I said, why? I said, because you might need it. <laughs> I started witnessing to him. He goes, dang, I didn't, didn't know I was going to meet Jesus now. <laughs> people pray a lot when they ride with me. Some people pray for me. Some people pray for their own selves. <laughs> Find the chaos and become the calming storm. Stand to your feet. Lord Jesus, I thank you. First, I thank you that you gave us an example. Lord, that week before the fulfillment of your assignment, you had Peter trying to defend you and he cut the ear off somebody and you healed the ear. Peter created chaos, you brought healing. Judas sold you out. (laughs) But he had revelation of who you are and he came back to you. He tried to give the money that that he got for selling you out. And the religious said no. They went and bought a field of blood because they wouldn't even take back the money that they used to betray Jesus. But I'm telling you, Judas knew that the wages of sin was death and he hung himself. And some of you need to quit hanging yourself because he took it on the cross. We need to forgive ourselves and we need to quit hanging ourselves. Put your hand on your heart. I no longer fear fear. Chaos. chaos. I am. A chaos killer. killer. In Jesus' name. 
Amen. Thank you for tuning in to today's message from Identity Church. To know more about us, go to identitychurch.net, where you'll find resources such as a calendar, media, and upcoming events. You may also download an app for your mobile device from the Apple App Store or Google Play. Then from your mobile device, you can hear our messages, read from the Bible, take notes, connect with us on the social media, and even pay your tithe. Again, thank you for tuning in to today's message from Identity Church.